Welcome to Grace Community Church On Demand, the weekly podcast from the Sunday services at Grace Community Church in Rupert, Idaho. Here at Grace, we believe in building the kingdom of God one person at a time. We're passionate about loving God, loving people, and following Jesus. Let's get into this week's message with Pastor Travis Turner. Today we're in a Healthy Choices series, and we're at the end of this series called Healthy Choices. This is going to be the last message of the series called Healthy Choices. And um, today we're titling the message, Choose Life. Today's message requires a great deal of love. Today's message requires a great deal of mercy and grace. And today's message requires a tremendous amount of forgiveness for other people and then potentially also forgiveness for yourself. And so I think it's obvious that the day and the time that we live in is very unsettling, right? Um, it's unsettling on really every front. It's unsettling politically. I mean, we live in a day and a time where a person wearing a certain hat can literally cause a small riot. You know, we're, we're, we have, we're beyond the days of being able to agree to disagree. We can't do that. We don't even desire to, you know, to do that well. And so people are charged politically. and We're divided racially. And this is just my opinion. And my opinion is worth what my opinion is worth. I'm not trying to push my opinion on you this morning. But honestly, I feel like we're as divided racially today as we are is because there's some intentionality to divide us racially. I really believe that over the last eight to 10 years, there has been a, a real push um, by people um, to divide us and to separate us. And it's us against them. And, and, and while you know, while we have a lot of black marks in our history and things that, that I really wish we, we could have done differently, I feel like there are people and groups of people that their intention is to expand and to increase the divide. I feel like there was a lot of healing, you know, prior to eight to ten years ago, and it's just gotten worse and worse and worse and worse and worse, and I don't think that that's accidental. And then today we've got conversations, you know, about gender confusion, and there's just a lot going on. And all of these topics, you know, there are strong opinions on, on all sides, right? Um, and once again, we're not having conversations to, you know, to get to any type of a solution. What we're doing is we're just standing up for what we believe in, and, and some people are literally willing to lay their lives down you know, for the cause of whatever side they find themselves on. And I want us to know today, and I want you to know today, that number one, I'm not an expert in any field whatsoever. Um, and I'm not called to run for any, any kind of a political position or party. That's not what my calling is. But my calling is to pastor a people, this people, any people, any person that calls Grace Community Church their home church, like it's my responsibility, my personal responsibility to make sure that I'm teaching the heart of God the best that I can understand it. 
And sometimes, you know, that's very clear, and sometimes it's not so clear. But nonetheless, I'm telling you that that's my responsibility. And so I'm not running for a political office, and, I'm, and I recognize that there's a lot of voices that are speaking in our world today. But I want you to know that while we value everybody's opinion, there's one opinion that matters more to me than any other opinion. And that's, there's an opinion that matters more to me than my own opinion. You see, there are eyes in the sky. There is a God that is literally watching how we live, what we do, why we do what we do. He's, he's observing all of these things in his desire is, is that we love him, that we trust him, and that we become more like him. Can I get a good amen there? So once again, all opinions matter, but one opinion matters the most. And what is difficult for me, can I just give you a little bit of insight into pastoring? What is difficult for me at times is whenever I pastor people or I have conversations, maybe even with people that don't go to Grace Church, but they profess Jesus Christ as their, as their Lord and their personal Savior. They profess Jesus, but yet oppose the very things that Jesus is for. And I'm just saying that that's very difficult because I truly believe that the love that they have for God is real and genuine. Like, like who am I to, to even stand in a place of being able to say, yeah, this person loves God and this person doesn't. I don't even want to be in that business. I'll never be in that, in that place and position. But it's very difficult whenever you know that their stance and their belief system is very, it's opposing to what it is that God's word says. And so I just have to believe that they're just not there yet. Either they haven't read about God's, God's um, heart on the matter. You know, the Holy Spirit hasn't ministered the word, you know, to them yet. Because I can tell you this, that from the very first day that I gave my heart to Jesus Christ... Till today, yeah, I've had a lot of different strong feelings on a lot of different areas. Like there were things that I was ready to die for, uh, you know, in the beginning. It was just because I didn't know. I didn't know any better. But because of time and the mercies of God and the faithfulness of God, he has led me into different, in, into different areas. And so, so I want you to know that, that, that the reason why this message is important is because there's a lot of new folks that are just genuinely coming to Grace Church and called the Grace Church their home church. And there's a lot of new folks that haven't been walking with God very long. And so, so it's my, it's my um, uh, responsibility to try the best that I can to share God's heart on on, on difficult matters, on difficult topics. And my prayer is, is that, that throughout the message today, that you're not going to hear Travis's opinion and you're not going to hear your own voice and your own opinion. But my prayer is, is that throughout the message today, you're going to hear the heart of God and what his opinion is. Can I get a good amen there? And so Proverbs chapter six and verse 16 says this. It's a powerful scripture, one that you're familiar with. It says, these are the things, these six things 
the Lord hates. How many of you know that we should pay attention to the things that God hates? Right? Like, I want to know what he loves, and I want to know what he hates. But God doesn't love everything. He hates some things, and he says this. This is his word. These six things the Lord hates. Yes, seven are an abomination to him. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift to running towards evil, a false witness who speaks lies. And I want you to know, just to kind of break it up just a little bit here, even, even church folks sometimes have a hard time telling the truth, right? Don't say amen there, but just say right. Sometimes church folks have, like, like you may even have a liar, somebody that has a hard time telling the truth in the very row that you're sitting in. Let's see if we can find them real quick. Let's see if we can find them and point them out. So a false witness who speaks lies and one who sows discord among the brethren. So I want to focus today on verse 17, hands that shed innocent blood. I want us to really realize that there's nothing, there's no one more innocent. I believe in my opinion, there's no one more innocent, and I believe it's the heart of God as well, that there is no one more innocent in the planet, on the, in the world, than the unborn. Once again, not all opinions are equal. We value your opinion, but there is a worldview that is being pushed and pressed very hard right now. And then there's God's view. And these views are very different one to another. The media is pushing an agenda. Politicians are pushing an agenda. Um, uh, influencers, young people, influencers, uh, the famous folks, famous people are pushing an agenda. Even amongst the churches, there, there, is, there is divisiveness, there's division, even in some churches where churches are rallying because they want to be relevant, they want to, they want to line up with popular opinion. There are even churches that are, that, are, that are on the side of these other folks that I've been talking about here. And I want you to know that all of these people are pushing bad information. So our title is Choose Life. Today we're addressing the topic of abortion. Before I go any further, let's pray. If you would please bow your heads with me in prayer. Lord, we thank you for today. And Lord, we thank you for the worship that we've had this morning. We thank you for the ability to live in what I believe the greatest state in the greatest place on the planet and share life with wonderful people of all backgrounds, of, of all different faith belief systems. God, thank you for the blessing of being able to live in this place. Now, Lord, I ask you for forgiveness for the things that we have done that have just broken your heart, that have hurt you. And I thank you, Lord, for that forgiveness right now. Because your word says that if we ask, you are faithful and just to extend us mercy, grace, and forgiveness. Thank you, Lord, for the weight that's even being lifted right now. And thank you, Lord, also for not giving up on us. I ask you to personally forgive me for my personal sins, my shortcomings, 
And, um, and Lord, anybody else that is in this place that is dealing with, with difficulties, I pray that you would forgive them as well. Heal our hearts in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. So, it's controversial. And what's interesting to me is this topic on abortion is controversial even in some churches. And I don't understand that personally. But what I'm doing is I'm asking for grace and love for everybody that is here at Grace Church today. So the best outcome, once again, is not that you hear my opinion or your opinion, but we hear the heart of God on this. So the purpose of today, let me tell you what it's not. The purpose of today is not to shame anybody. The purpose of today is not to hurt anybody. I'm telling you guys, um, if we were to go through the poor decisions that we have made um, in our life, and I'm, I'm, not, I'm not exalting this, I'm not celebrating this, but I promise you, I probably have most of you beat by terrible things that, that have been done, things that I'm ashamed of in my personal past, things that I wish that I could go back and change, there, there are many things, not just one thing, there are many things that I, have, that I failed on, but I'm grateful for the love and the forgiveness of God. I, ta- I stand before you today forgiven, amen? I stand before you today blood-bought, born-again, spirit-filled, sanctified, set-apart, transformed, and, and I'm, not the same, I'm not the same person. And this is what I can tell you. Is, is that we can do nothing to change our past. There's nothing that we can do to change our past. But what we can do is we can change the future, right? We can, we can, we can, we can take responsibility for the day. We can make better decisions and choices tomorrow, which leads to, you know, a, a, a life that is, that is productive and, and, and God honoring. So my heart today is anybody, and I, I mean this, I want you to know this, that if you have made the decision or you've pushed because today's message is just as much for men as it is women. I'm telling you, some women have have chosen to abort a child simply because the pressure from a man in her life was saying, this is the only option, this is the only solution. So this message is for every single one of us here today. And I want you to know that if you've made a mistake in this area, that God loves you and God forgives you and he will lift the weight and the burden of whatever it is that you've been carrying for a long time, but you have to just trust the Lord with this. You've got to bring it to the Lord and ask God to forgive you. And once again, he is faithful and just to do that. Can I get a good amen there? And so, so we're getting better going forward. That's, the, that's the, the reason for such a hard message today, a difficult message. Number two is this. I want you to know this, that all who come to Christ must be willing to exchange their beliefs for his beliefs. And this is very difficult because we have built a belief system You know, for some of us that are just coming to the Lord right now, maybe 60 years, you've built a belief system. You've gotten a great education that have taught you some poor and ugly and terrible things that are just untrue. But that education has helped to form a very strong belief system. So so there are a lot of people that love Jesus, but yet still hold on to belief systems that oppose what it is that God thinks about any certain topic. And so, so when we come to Jesus, right, 
when we come to Jesus, it's very important that we must be willing to exchange our beliefs for his beliefs. For instance, a popular worldview is that a woman's body is her own. You've heard this, and I've heard this, and it's been discussed and debated, and the idea is that a woman's body is her own and that no man can tell a woman what she should or should not do with her body, and, and, I, and, and there's a big portion of that that I, that I agree with. It's like, it's like, you know what I'm saying? Like, like I can just understand where the argument, where the argument comes from. I feel absolutely terrible. In fact, in our in our pre-service meeting, you know, there was emotions because we were talking about the topic today, and there was a young man, there was a young man that uh, um, that that had an issue because this decision was made um, for him by a woman that he had been with. And, um, and he is carrying that even today, you know, wondering what, you know, what, you know, what could have been. And so this affects men and, and women. Um, but, uh, but a woman's body is, is, is her, is her own and no man can tell. And while that is the case, I want us to realize that while maybe no man can tell a woman what she should or should not do with her body, God has an opinion on it and God can tell us. See, God can tell us. God's opinion matters. It matters just as much in every other situation like God's opinion about you and your life. It matters more than your opinion. What am I saying? I'm saying that if you're ever in opposition to what God says is true, God's not wrong in the matter. See, when I'm in opposition, when I believe in something that is that is opposing to God's view, then I'm the one that is that is that is that is wrong, and so um, God can tell us. So so tell your neighbor today's a new day. Today's the day of forgiveness. Today is the day to choose life. So number three is this: God hates the shedding of innocent blood. The Bible shows us, and it it brings us to the place of showing us that life is in the blood. Life is, life is in the blood. The world says that life, you know, the world says a few different things, but life begins, you know, the moment that that baby, you know, either passes through the canal or the moment that that baby takes its first breath. And I just want you to know that that's simply not true. Leviticus chapter 17 and verse 11 says this, for the life of the flesh is where? It's in the blood. The life of the flesh is in the blood. See, life doesn't pass, it doesn't come to be when we pass through the canal, but life is in the blood. See, a baby in the womb has a heartbeat. How amazing and incredible is that? Like, how in the world can anybody, I can just tell you this, when my son was in the womb and he was old enough, you know what I mean, for us to go in for an ultrasound, it literally, like, all you hear is like, boop, boop, it's like all you hear is that but I can just tell you as a father knowing that that is my son it was the most beautiful thing that I had ever heard and then you get ultrasounds later on in the term right later on in the term what do you see man you see facial expression 
I swear to you, I saw a smile. I've seen these new ultrasounds that are coming out. It's almost like a family photo. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, like you got kids pointing back at you, you know, you know. You can see personality, and, and so, so I want us to know that, that that is a life in the womb already. I want to take it up even a notch from there. God knew you, the Bible says, in the womb. In the womb, God knew you. Regardless, this is important, and I want to talk to you just for a moment, regardless of the circumstance in how you arrived there. You know, see, God doesn't just know us in the womb whenever you've got one man and one woman that planned a child. See, I never even planned kids. All I heard was a scream in the bathroom. <laughs> Tina, was, and I'm, running, I'm running in there thinking, I'm running in there, is there a spider that I need to kill? And she's holding this little thing. She says, we're pregnant. See, we weren't planning on being, we, just, we just realized that, you know what, God just gave them when we needed them. But I'm telling you, these kids today, they're all planning. They all know temperatures and times, and they're structuring. That's weird to me, very weird stuff. But that's what Pinterest and all those other things will, will do for you. But regardless of the circumstances how, as to how that baby got there, God still knew you. So, so he doesn't say, I'm not going to know you just because the circumstances were wrong. God knew you while you were in your womb. Psalm chapter 139 and verse 13 says this, For you created my, in, my inmost being, the psalmist said. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. He says, your works are wonderful. I know full well that my frame was not hidden from you when I was made, listen, in the secret place. How many of you know that that's the womb? Right? Your eyes saw my unformed body. It was in process, right? All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How beautiful is that? That God, how awesome is that? That God knew everything about you while you were yet being formed and knit together in your mother's womb. Verse 17 is just shouting, don't forget about me. How precious to me, it goes on to say, are your thoughts, O oh God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. So why is this verse important? This verse is important because the world will say that you're unimportant in the womb. The world will say that you're just a clump of, of cells. And I just remind you today, that's all you are today is just a clump of cells but a very intentional clump of cells, right? And I want you to know that while the world says that there's no value in that baby in the womb, God says there is great value. So much value that he paid so much attention that his thoughts, if they were to be counted, would be numbered as the grains of sand. 
That's a lot. So God is paying attention to you in the womb. God is paying attention to you right now. And I want you to know that God loves you and has tremendous and great plans for you in the future. My parents were divorced when I was a year old. My parents were divorced. I didn't know what it was like to have mom and dad in the, in the home. And so, so literally, like I grew up thinking that it didn't affect me whatsoever. Like it didn't affect me at all. And then I grew up and I joined the Marine Corps and had some issues that I was just dealing with, like mental and emotional issues in the Marine Corps that, that, uh, that affected me. Um, and then all of the sudden, you know, I'm starting to evaluate my life. And, uh, and, and I realized that, that mom and dad getting divorced before I was one, it really like affected me more than I thought. And I thought that's weird because I just didn't know any better. How could it, how could it affect me? I didn't know what it was like to have them both in the home in, in the first place. So what was normal is for them to be separated. I'm grateful today that the Lord is with me today. I'm grateful today that I was not chosen to be aborted. I dealt with questions like, I wonder if mom and dad, you know what I mean? Was it me that caused them to get divorced? I wonder if mom and dad would be together today if I had not come along. A lot of those questions that a kid or even a grown person, you know, reflecting back on their childhood should never should never ask. But this is what I'm grateful for. I'm grateful for the fact that I'm here today. And what I love about being here today is, is once again, no matter the hardships, the struggles, I'm here today. And the truth is, is God loves me very much and my parents love me very much. Like I know this. But what is beautiful about the whole thing too is because I'm here today, some of you all are here today as well. And I wonder, I just wonder, like not all of you are here today because I'm here today, but God has used a broken situation, a broken family, kind of a, kind of a you know, not the ideal family situation, but God was able to move in and through that to bring me to where I am. And because I am where I am today, some of you are where you are today. Not all of you, but some of you are where you're at today because I'm where I'm at today. And it all came from not a perfect situation. And I know that this whole place is filled with stories like that as well. See, greatness is found in even adopted people. Some of you don't know, I'll tell you the story sometime, but I was adopted as well. Greatness is found in adopted people. Steve Jobs was adopted. Babe Ruth was adopted. Nelson Mandela was adopted. And Aaron Judge was adopted for the New York Yankees. Great, tremendous story. You should see him sitting, standing next to his adopted mom. Aaron's up here and his mom's like way down here. It's funny. It's like, how did this come from that? And it didn't. But she just needed a child to love. And he was there. Greatness comes from abortion survivors. Are there such things? Yes, there are multiple, multiple, multiple people that were aborted or the attempt to abort them. It didn't, it didn't happen all the way. I have to feel like God was, was intervening. I don't know how this comes to pass, but there are abortion survivors. One of them, I encourage you to look up as Melissa Odin. 
Her abortion tactic was they put a toxic solution in her amniotic fluid, and for whatever reason, for whatever reason, it didn't take. She wrote a book, an incredible book called You Carried Me, a book about a daughter to a mother. And then there's this video that I came across. Marvin Hightower, I'd like to bring the lights down. Please turn your attention. in Madisonville, Kentucky. Can we turn and it up, please? I survived two abortion attempts by my mom. I was a stereotypical troubled kid, you know, uh, poor. We were poor, we were on welfare, and uh, I was a statistic waiting to happen and, uh, until God interrupted my life at age 19. And when I was 28, I was ordained and I was assigned a church to pastor. And on that day, that very day that I was ordained and assigned a church to pastor, uh, my mom tells me of the miracle that surrounds my birth. She was uh, in high school and uh, very poor, scared, and uh, the daddy was not in her life. She decided to have an abortion. And she went to this backroom abortionist when I tell this story, a lot of people think, well, the miracle is that God somehow changed her mind. But the fact is that she actually went to the doctor. She laid on the table. She actually went through the process and the procedure of having an abortion. If you are pregnant and you uh, have an abortion and there's life still on the inside of you, my religious thinking is, well, God wants me to have a baby. But my mom actually decided to go back to the same doctor. So my mom didn't abort me once, she aborted me twice. People tried to figure out, well, what, did she have triplets? Or maybe the doctor didn't do what he's supposed, I mean, they tried to figure out all these things. And I just feel like it was a miracle that God preserved my life. When I give my testimony in churches, I give my testimony in uh, pregnancy care centers and banquets and stuff, I try to minister and be aware of the women that are sitting in the audience that may uh, be thinking, wow, you know, my abortion went through. I did destroy my life, and maybe he could have been a preacher. He could have been, been this and been that. I tried to minister to them that they don't live in condemnation and shame. Number one, that's not what God is about. And that's not the heart of God. God's grace is so thoroughly complete. If we believe the Bible, then you have a baby in heaven, but it's never been the will of God that you live the rest of your life beating yourself up. You be a voice of forgiveness and be a voice for grace. God can bring life out of death and he can use what the enemy meant for your harm and turn it around for your good. And I love this scripture, Hosea 2 and 14. It says that God will take your valley of trouble and make it a door of hope. God knew you, he planned you, he formed you. You're not a, you're not a child of the devil, you're not a mistake. God saw your parents before they even got together. And he said, I want her, I want him, and I've got plans for him, and I've got plans for her. It's powerful, right? I want to remind you today that it's God that is the one that is known to do great things out of bad situations. Amen? Great things out of bad situations. 
The world is filled with what ifs. What if this or what if the conception came about because of this terrible thing happening or that terrible thing happening? And I want us to realize that whenever you hear that type of communication, even though it's hard, it's difficult, and these are real lives that are in the balance, even when it's difficult and hard, I want you to know that the conversation is being had because the goal is to terminate the child. And to, and to come up with a reason as to why it's okay to terminate the child. I want you to know this that, and remind you today that we are people of faith. Like, like we, we don't walk by sight, we walk by faith, right? Even whenever things seem gloom and they seem, they seem like, man, I'm never going to be able to get through this. Or how is this going to happen? I want you to know that we serve a miracle-making God that is known to make a way where there seems to be no way. Like he opens doors that no man can shut and he closes doors that no man can open. Right? He's a miracle maker. He's a, he's a way maker. And I also just want to say this, just because it's on my mind. How many times have we heard of people, you know what, that were given information on, on their child that's like, listen, your child's going to have this terrible defect, or your child's not going to make it, or your child's going to do this, that, or the other. And then all of the sudden, you know what I'm seeing, the, the, the parents, whether they make the decision to, to, to end or to or to you know, just trust God through it, all of a sudden the baby's born and the baby doesn't have the issues that, 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 that was kind of set up to have. I mean, these things, these things happen. And so I want us to realize that we are a people of faith and we serve a miracle-making God. And if nothing happens, like how many times has a child been born with even Down syndrome? Can I just tell you this? That there, there, there is not a more loving people that I've ever met in the entirety of my life. And it's been the same with every single person that I've met that has Down syndrome. There's not a more loving people than people that have Down syndrome that I've ever met. I'm not saying that they're not out there, but I'm just saying that, 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 you know what I mean? Listen, you know, you should probably abort because this child's going to have issues and, and, and whatever and whatever. But that child may be the greatest gift. You know what I mean? How many people with issues and troubles and stories have changed the course of our life? And I'm reminding you today that we're a people of faith. Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse 5, it says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. These are what I call the four eyes. Before Jeremiah was born, he was formed. The Bible says, I knew you, I set you apart, and I appointed you. All before you were born. See, God has a plan for that baby before he breathed his first breath. If it's true for Jeremiah, it's true for you, and it's true for the unborn children that you have not yet had. It's true. Galatians chapter 1.15 says this, but even before I was born, this is New Testament, right? Even before I was born, the apostle Paul said, God chose me and he called me by his marvelous grace. Then it pleased him to reveal his son to me 
that I would proclaim the good news about Jesus even to the Gentiles. See, this is an act of God. Life is an act of God, and the call of God on a life is an act of God. They're both an act of God, and we have to be people, listen very close, lean in real quick, we have to be able to distinguish between the events surrounding conception and God making it happen. And that is so hard because sometimes life comes out of horrible, horrible, horrible situations. But we've got to be able to distinguish between those two. So my hope is once again for those that have ever had an abortion that they would feel the love and the forgiveness and the grace of God because it is, I want you to know that it's present for you today. There's no guilt, there's no shame, There's no condemnation. There's no judgment for those that are in Christ Jesus. I don't judge you. Nobody here should judge you. If they do, that's on them. But I also want you to know that God's got a plan going forward. And and if somebody's contemplating that right now, my prayer, my heart is that they would choose life. You see, a baby is a nine-month miracle that begins on day one. DNA is, 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 is different than any, any other DNA. Blood type. I mean, there's so many things. Number four is this, and I know we're ready to go. How many of us are ready to go today? All right, we're not ready to go. We'll take another hour. Good, wonderful. <laughs> I want us to know this, and this isn't to hurt anybody. It's not to make anybody feel worse than you were, but I, I want you to know that there are penalties for shedding innocent blood. Number one, some women that I've spoken to that have had abortions, their thought and their mind was, is that that after I do this, after I take care of the problem, the problem's gonna be taken care of and it's gonna go away. And I'm just sharing with you that that's not the case. The only way that that is dealt with properly is healing from the Lord and the Lord will absolutely, can absolutely heal you. But there are penalties for shedding innocent blood. Psalm chapter 106 says this, and this is talking about Israel, how they sacrificed their sons and their daughters to, to idols, and this is the consequent in verse 40, consequence in verse 40. The Lord's anger burned against his people, and he hated them. He handed them over to their enemies, and they were ruled by those who hate them. So since abortion was legalized in 1973, year after year after year after year, there was a, can you turn that down just a little bit? When it was... uh, come out in 1973, I want you to know that year after year after year, there was about a million abortions that took place every year just in the United States. Now, the good news is, the good news is, is that number, and I don't know, it'd be interesting to study this out, but that number has dropped down to about 630,000. 630,000 in the United States. Now, I did some running of numbers i thought man how many people are in rupert i came up with the number and how many people are in paul and i came up with the number and how many people are in burley and i came up with the number and how many people are in twin falls and i came up with the number how many people live in jerome and i came up with the number how many people live in mountain home and i came up with the number how many people live in boise and i came up with the number 
How many people live in Meridian? I came up with the number. How many people live in Nampa? And I came up with the number. How many people live in Caldwell? And I came up with the number. How many people live in Ontario? And I came up with the number. And that number of all of, all of those, those populations from here to Ontario, Oregon, comes up to about 615,000 people. That's 15,000 people less than the people that are, their lives are taken in the womb every single year. So can you imagine losing all of our population and the population between us and Ontario, Oregon, every single year, every single year, every single year. And that's at 630,000. To me, that was just so eye-opening. I'm just like, my goodness, whenever you think about it, like I was in Boise yesterday at the football game and I couldn't stand it. Why? Because there were so many people. But imagine all of those people, like all from here to there, just being completely desolate. The Bible says that countries that shed innocent blood are defiled and they're polluted. And I feel, I feel like, like that's where our country is right now. Joel chapter 3 and verse 19, but Egypt will be desolate and Edom a desert waste. Why? Because of violence done to the people of Judah in whose land they shed innocent blood. Deuteronomy chapter 27 verse 25, cursed is the one who takes a bribe to slay an, in an innocent person. Can you imagine, like let's just say you came to church here, this was your first day at church here today and you found somebody that you, you kind of knew and you went up and, 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 and you talked to them and then they introduced you to their three-year-old little boy. They said, hey, this is little Johnny. They, he shakes your hand and whatnot. And then, and then later on, you find out that the, 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 the situation in which Johnny was conceived and born was, was absolutely terrible. Like, let's say it was the worst of the worst situation and circumstance as to how Johnny was, was uh, you know, came about and he was born. At any time, would anybody think that it was okay just because of the way that he was conceived to take his life at three years old? Would it be okay just to say, listen, this happened in an unfortunate way. We're just going to take and, and take the life of little Johnny. Would anybody agree with that? And I'm just proposing to you today that a three-week-old child, that's little Johnny is the same as a three. It's just he's grown. And so a child is a child is a child is a child. 1 Corinthians 6.19, this is a big argument, once again, with women's bodies, and I'm not, I'm not saying that, I, I, I mean, I get this, I totally understand it. It says, do you not know that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own, the Bible says, you were bought with a price, therefore honor God with your bodies. So I want us to realize that even you are not your own. You were purchased with a, with a great price. And therefore, it says glorify God with your bodies. And this is, listen, I'm speaking to me more than I'm speaking to anybody else. Like I spent a large portion of my life not giving God glory for my body. And so this isn't just speaking of, this is not just speaking of the child in the womb. This is talking about all of the things that can lead up to a child being in the womb. You know, um, 
I'm, I'm, there's a whole other topic. I'm not going to go into it because we don't have time. Isaiah chapter 45 and verse 9 says this. Woe to those who quarrel with their maker. Those who are nothing but potsherds among potsherds. And I had to look this up. I was like, I don't even know what a potsherd is. If you know what it is already, God bless you. But a potsherd is a broken piece of ceramic material. And so here you've got broken pieces of ceramic material having a conversation with one another, they're laying on the ground and it says, does the clay say to the potter, what are you making? Does your work say, the potter has no hands? Woe to the one that says to the father, what have you begotten? Or a mother, what have you brought to birth? This is what the Lord says, the Holy One of Israel and its maker, concerning the things to come, do you question me about my children? or give me orders about the work of my hands. So my question to you is who's in charge? Is the man in charge? No. Is the woman in charge? No. Is God in charge? Absolutely, yes, 100%. And once again, sin is progressive. It's never satisfied. And I'm just telling you, and I'm sharing this with you because you're gonna be seeing more and more and more of this. We're seeing it all over the news and media today. If it's okay to take a child before a child is born, sin is progressive, then it's okay to take a life at the end of life just because it's unproductive. And I'm just, I wanna to talk to some of you older folks. Like if somebody deems you invaluable anymore, you're just like a drain on society. Like, don't forget that you work the entirety of your life and, and you know, put into your retirement and paid into social security and whatnot. But at the moment that you become a drain on society, if somebody has a, a thought in their mind that you're no longer productive, when is it okay for them to just shoot something into your arm because it's too costly or they don't see the value in you anymore. I'm telling you folks, this is where we're going because sin is progressive. See, abortion itself has progressed. It used to be in the early stages of the first trimester. You know what? That makes sense to a lot of people. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well, then it turned to late birth abortion and now we've got partial birth abortion and then now we've it's it's escalated i believe it's even in new york state that if a woman has chosen to abort the child and the child survives the abortion and and the woman gives birth so now a, a baby is by her is is born breathing you know she's she's breathing things are working but because the abortion didn't take and that was the intent of the abortion now it's okay to kill the child after the baby's been born. Why is that? Because it is progressive. And so, so my question is, is when is life considered to be valuable, valuable enough to protect it? And who is it that gets to make that decision? At Grace Church, I wanna close with this and then we're gonna do some questions here real quick if I can. But uh, at Grace Church, I want you to know that we never, ever, 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 ever want to be known for what we're against. I don't want to be known for, yeah, that church is against this and is against that and is against this and is against that. What I want to be 
known for is what is it that we as a church are for? You know what I'm saying? Like, what do we, what do we stand for? And, and um, we're for kids. I mean, look at all of these boxes, you know, up here. And these are, these are, these are just some of them. There's a whole lot more than here, but already Grace Church has put together 3,000 800 in one of these boxes. Do you realize that each one of these boxes has a value of anywhere between $15 and $25 on average? Every single one of these boxes. And so out of your generosity, you have, you have put together 3,800 in one of them. And guess what? It cost $10. Just, you know, fuzzy math, but I just want somebody to do the fuzzy math. It costs $10 to ship each one of, not these big boxes, each one of the little boxes that is inside of these big boxes, 10 bucks to ship them wherever they're going to go so that they can be given into the hands of a child, giving them necessities like toothbrush, toothpaste, soap, the gospel message, toys. You know what I'm saying? Like it gets to where they're going, but it's not just to say, hey, we love you. It's to say, hey, God loves you. And every single one of them are going to receive the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ in hopes that not only they get saved and give their heart to Jesus, but their whole family gets saved. And so we are four kids. We've got a great Awana and a youth program and we're getting better, right? I'm talking to you today that you know, we're against abortion, but listen, you can't just be against something but not have an answer and a solution for it. We haven't had the greatest answer and solution for it. We're identifying that, and so we're making the commitment to get more involved to help women that are in difficult situations. We're going to be starting a new ministry called Embrace Grace. It's going to be led by Raleigh, Raleigh Mack in our own church here. It's going to take us a bit of time to get that up and established. There's another church in our community that's got this ministry going. And if you're in a situation where you need some help and some ministry, specifically a, 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 a woman that's carrying a child, you can go over. We'll send you over to First Christian Praise Chapel right now and get the help. But we're standing with you. One person, one woman said this. She's like, it was amazing. You know, when I was a child, when I was pregnant and just out there, I would go to the grocery store and everybody's wanting to touch my belly. That's weird. Touch my belly. And just they're so concerned and they're just, how you doing? How you? They wouldn't let me carry anything. A couple weeks after I had the child is like I was invisible. And so I can understand what that might be like for a woman, especially a woman that's dealing also with hardships. And so I'm saying this is we have not met the mark as a church to help women and men in tough situations. And we've got to get better. We've got to advocate. We can't just, we can't just say, no, we don't believe in that. No, we don't believe in that. But yet our belief system doesn't cause us to take action. And so I'm trusting and believing that there are going to be people out of love, not hate. Drives me crazy whenever I see all this hate, hate, hate in places where, you know, that's the wrong message. It's the wrong message. Like we need to be moved and motivated by love to make a difference in people that are hurting and struggling. Marsha Miller was telling me that 
She believed that if you drop a child off at the fire department, like that's the best way. We got a broken system when it costs $30,000 or $50,000 to adopt a child and you've got millions of people that want a child. Something's broken when you monetize, you know, something like adoption, it's crazy. And so there has to be people that advocate against, you know, that and bringing those costs down. And see, the church has been way too silent, unfortunately. And it's time for, for those, maybe the Holy Spirit's doing something, the Lord's doing something, and you're just like, listen, I'm going to stand up. I'm going to do my part. I'm going to see what I can do to make a difference. So questions. I got just a few moments here, but I've been asking people some questions throughout the week, like what are questions that people, people have? And I may have time for one or two from you. So if you've got one, I'd, I'd like to hear about it. One question that comes to the table is, what about a mother who is in danger? A, a mother where it's, it's the mother's life or the baby's life. And I'm just being honest with you, this is the one that I probably struggle with the most because I know a lot of people are in this situation, but whenever we make a decision out of this place of fear, what we do is we limit what God can do. We limit what God can do. I will tell you this, that Matt Johnson, our own worship leader here, his mother had a, uh, 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 she was, she was, they were given the option to either save mom's life or for Matthew to be born and, and potentially mom's going to lose her life. Matt Johnson is here today because, because they made the decision to trust God. Now she didn't, she didn't live through that. She ended up giving her life, but what a beautiful story, right? No greater love is there than this, than a man or a woman lay down his or her life for another. She literally for, had foregone the treatment that she could have received in an effort for him to live. That's hard. That's, there, there's nothing clean. There's nothing easy about that. But once again, I just want to say that we serve a miracle-making God. And I also want to say that this, this life is not our home. We're strangers in a strange land. And, and we know this, that in Christ, you know what I'm saying? God has even, there, like heaven and eternity is very real. It's very, it's very real. It's, it's something that is, that is for us. And what's going to be beautiful is the reunion when Matt gets a chance to meet his mom for the first time. What's gonna be beautiful is for people that have had abortions, like there's no more innocent person than a, a, a person in the womb, right? And I believe this, that there's gonna be wonderful reunions where somebody has made a decision to abort. How wonderful is that reunion gonna be in heaven? It's gonna be beautiful. It's gonna be absolutely beautiful. Here's another one. What if a child gets raped? This is a tough one. What if a child gets raped? Should they have an, an abortion? And um, I would say this, regardless of, regardless of the abortion, that child is, first of all, the person who raped the child needs to be punished to the fullest extent of the law. Second of all, 
that child is going to need a support system that is unlike any other. This is where the church, where family, where people that love that child so much because that child is going to need a support system that is, that is absolutely incredible. The next thing that I would say is that child is dealing and will deal with the trauma of the, the very brutal event that has taken place regardless of whether that baby is born or not. That, 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 little, that little girl is going to need love, care, healing, it, 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 counseling, like the trauma in itself is enough. The trauma doesn't, what I'm saying is the trauma doesn't go away whenever you get rid of the child. Now listen, I, I'm not trying to even, even put myself in the place of what's all involved in that. I hope I, I, just hear me, I'm not an expert, but this is what I am saying because I've spoken to women that have had abortions, why add trauma on top of trauma? And it's very possible that that's what, that's what happens. We have to be a people that trust in the Lord in this situation. We've got a great support system. And, um, and, and what I would encourage to be done would be as hard as it is to carry that baby to term and then look to adopt because there are millions of people regardless of the circumstances that are looking to have a child that that don't have a child and I would also say this that what a wonderful place and time to put our trust in 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 the Lord not easy but I also want to say this because I did some research on this out of the 630,000 people on average that are being aborted today there's literally one to two thousand between one and 2,000 of those 630,000 cases are from rape or incest. So that, that, is, that, is a, that is a very, very, it's like 0.15 of a percent all the way up to 0.32 of a percent, of 1% to where that is the, that's the situation. But I want you to know that this is one of the biggest arguments that, that is being, that is being, that is being tabled, even though, and, and, and I'm not, it happens, like it really happens, and so I'm not, it absolutely happens, but this very, very, very minuscule percentage is one of the biggest arguments to advocate why abortion um, should be an option, and, and, but I'm saying that that is a very, very small percentage of people that are in that category. All right. How do you comfort somebody who was raped or considering abortion? Number one, I, I, I believe that, that the best thing we can do is pray for them. I believe the best thing we can do is, is support them and do whatever we can do as a church to get them the adequate help that is needed. But I also believe that one of the greatest things that we can do is elevate the conversation because as a Christian person, as a Christian man or a woman, I can promise you this, that it is our responsibility to elevate the conversation. And what I mean by that is not to focus on the circumstances that has led to it, but to focus on the promises that come from God. So Lord, I thank you for today. I thank you for these wonderful people. And I ask in Jesus' name, 
that you would just help minister to us through this word, through our worship. Let there be conversations, but God, let us have wisdom and knowledge. You're not calling us to argue and fight and to shame people and beat people down. And that's not what you're calling. You're calling us to love people. God, your Holy Spirit is able to do as much in a second as, as was done to us when we first bowed a knee to you. And I thank you for that. Forgive us of our sins as a nation. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. That's it for today's teaching. Hey, here's an idea. Share today's message with a friend or family member. If you're listening from outside our fellowship, we'd love to meet you. Visit graceid.org and hit the contact form to get in touch. We'd also love for you to join us. You can even check us out on Facebook Live by searching Facebook for Grace Church Rupert ID. Learn more and plug in at graceid.org. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Grace Community Church.